Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Philbin, financial coach, accredited financial counselor, certified money coach, and founder of the 4,000 Person Strong Financial Coaches Community Facebook group. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. I'm a tenured professor, a serial entrepreneur, a certified financial planner, and I run a nonprofit organization that provides financial planning resources to over 100,000 families each year. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal coaching business. Hello, Joshua. How are you? I'm doing great. This is the second time I'm seeing you today. Yes. I think we've got a third one later today. <laughs> oh, we're doing the most. Wow. I don't know why we are seeing each other this much, but we are. And we'll probably need the break between now and Monday in order to make up and get away from each other. Yes. Yes. So we don't hate each other. Just kidding. We could never. Could we? We could maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Well, <laughs> to be determined. I tried my hardest. <laughs> Well, today is going to be a fun one because today we are covering, should I start a blog or a newsletter as a financial coach? And wow, in my own experience, I have a very opinionated view on this, but what I will just share is in my experience, I spent way too much time early on in my coaching journey trying to put together both a newsletter that would then turn into a blog and it was a weekly newsletter to start without a defined purpose. And it didn't really do anything that I wanted it to. And so I think we will definitely go into this during today. But if you do want to do it, right, how can you do it in a way that actually helps support your goals and your vision? And where we should probably start is, should you even do that yeah. or consider that or under what circumstances? So. Yeah. So the short answer is probably not. That's just the simple short answer is it probably is not a good idea. And this is not a matter of every single person listening to this. There's never a good reason to ever start a blog. But there is so much bad, rah, rah, rainbows and unicorns. Once you start a blog, you automatically become a multimillionaire, three blog articles in BS okay. out there. Right. Yeah. yeah, it hasn't happened yet for me. There's so much just over the top irrational exuberance around blogs that just mathematically speaking, the majority of people that are thinking about starting a blog probably shouldn't. And it's not because blogs are bad. It's because there's just so much bad irrational exuberance about it. Well, that's our episode, everyone. Happy to leave it on a positive note. Yeah. We'll see you next time. And. <laughs> So let's talk about why it's irrational exuberance and blogs, they, they can be incredibly powerful. So there's obvious examples of people who have started blogs and who have built entire businesses around them. Mr. Money Mustache. Mr. Money Mustache, great example. But realize that most of those people had what's called early mover advantage. You look at Tesla and you think, oh, well, anyone can start an electric car company because if you start an electric car company, you're going to get huge. It, part of that is because Tesla was the first company to come out with a high-end sports electric car company and built a brand around it. It also helped that he was you know, a billionaire funding it. But it, it just because 
a company that does it first, right? Netflix started online streaming and lots of companies are trying to struggle to break into that. And most of them that are having any success are having success because they're Disney, right? Yes. You don't see a lot of startup streaming services starting. What you're seeing is massive conglomerate organizations jumping on board. Right? Yeah, that already have a lot of content available in order yeah. to just, and they just need the delivery system. And, and so the story of Mr. Money Mustache and the other ones that are like the early mover advantages, they're not really good stories to model yourself after because they had the advantage of they were the only ones doing it at the time. It was them and like seven other people. And now there are literally thousands of blogs out there about money. And that creates a huge, you know, whereas before you had zero content and a big demand, now you have tons of content and the demand hasn't changed significantly. The second thing is a lot of people say, well, I'm going to start a blog to be able to build relationship with people. And that's, that's wonderful. That's a great idea. But you always want to think, how much time am I going to have to spend for how much benefit that I'm going to get, right? If you're going to build a blog to try and build communication with an audience, one of the challenges is you are going to have to do a lot of writing over maybe a one to two year period before the first group of people start to build enough confidence and trust and everything aligns with their needs and their willingness and everything else that you start getting some customers out of this. And don't believe me, look at Gary Vaynerchuk, who is like the poster boy for I create content and just build empires out of it. And even he says, yeah, it takes about two years of no one watching or reading any of my stuff before it actually builds traction. Or what I did is I had, I think, 50 to 100 people initially on my list from friends and family, and then eventually got up to four or 500 people over the first couple of years, but I hadn't also defined my niche or yeah. been really good at, or, or really asked, like, what are my asks? How am I actually, what am I asking for? How am I asking it? And without that thought into it, sure, I had a couple of hundred people on the list who had been on there for a couple of years, but they weren't necessarily the right type of people. They, I didn't have yeah. any intentionality or much strategy around why I was doing it. It was more like, oh, I hope if they know about what I do and I do it consistently, they will buy something from me. They will sign up for work yeah. with me. Yeah. So there are so many different pieces that go into it. And also, I, I mean, I'll be 100% honest. It felt more comfortable being behind a computer screen and writing, even if it wasn't always comfortable to write than it was to go out and do sales. And therein lies the fundamental problem of a blog. And it's not just blogs. There's all sorts of different things that are like this. You remember when you were a kid and you played doctor, right? Where you were sitting down and someone was had an ouchie and you were giving them shots and everything else, right? You weren't actually being a doctor. You were just playing doctor, right? Yep. Lots of people have businesses and they play business owner, <laughs> I was doing it real well, yeah. real well. Writing a blog is a great example of playing business owner, right? It's not actually doing the most important things that you could be doing. Mm -hmm. And especially early on in your business, blogs are just a very long game. And lots of things that people look at as silver bullets, they're very long game type things. 
And in the early stages of a business, your time is probably better spent doing networking and sales and the other things that you mentioned. But let's say that you're not in the early stages of your business. Let's say that you're in that group of people that want to, that where you've got a consistent business, you might be making a consistent part-time income or you've transitioned to full time, right? And you're looking to grow that business and you have the things in place operations wise, efficiency wise, everything else. So that you do have the time to consistently put out content that's meaningful then what do we do? All right. So when you're in that place, so what are some best practices for blogs? And do we have, how are you um, defining blogs? Are those the same as newsletters, kind of just newsletters put on a website? Are they different? Great question. There isn't really a big difference between a blog and a newsletter. So some people say, no, I have an email newsletter. No, I have a blog. They're basically the same thing. The, The fundamental difference is that technically a blog is just something on a website an email newsletter gets emailed out to people. However, 95% of blogs have an email list associated with them. And 95% of email newsletters publish the content somewhere on a website, even if it's behind a paywall. So the overlap between them, that's a pretty highly overlapped Venn diagram there. (laughs) I'm sure there are business, or I know there are businesses, right? That they send out more newsletters, like not every bit of content, like you said, that's sent on right. a newsletter is put out on the blog or they do it more frequently or it's it's more conversational in a way that wouldn't translate to a blog. But I think for what we're talking about with financial coaches and the ideas that we'll share, that's not necessarily, that's a lot more work, I think. Yeah. And that's something where you'd probably be looking at doing that when you have, when you're looking to scale, right? Where you have lots of content being generated and you're focusing more on, how do we curate the content that we're already generating into smaller groups, right? So that the content is more focused for people, right? Not really a problem for most people in the financial coaching world because most people in the financial coaching world haven't gotten to the scale point, right? They're still in the, I'm launching my business or I'm growing my business. Yeah. And nothing wrong with that. That's great points to be in, right? So what are some best practices? So best practice, number one, you've already used it. It's the N word niche. And that is, you absolutely need to have a niche. You need to have a very focused target market because the second most important thing, which grows out of that first thing is having a voice. One of the biggest mistakes I see with blogs, not just for financial coaches, but across the board for small businesses is they tend to be a regurgitation of all of the other things that you see out there. If you're thinking, well, I'm going to create a blog where I'm going to write best budgeting tips and that pay down strategy and how to save up for a down payment on a mortgage. Do you have any idea how many articles there are for budgeting tips that are out there? There are a lot. I'm sure we could Google it. I just Googled it. (laughs) I just typed in budgeting tips. And it is, hold on, let me count these zeros up, 1.25 billion. That's a lot. That's with a B. (laughs) Yeah. So you likely aren't going to be ending up number one or number 7,800. And you're likely not going to end up with something where your budgeting tips are going to cause people to want to work with you 
because even if they read yours and five or six others, it's going to very much feel like, oh, this is the same stuff, mm. right? So would it be helpful as a way when people are on your website to have a blog to like verify that you know what you're talking about? Or is that, so what if you posted that on your website and mm -hmm. kind of as a way to, what does it build authority or show that you have some kind of expertise around this topic? Or so this is other one ways you could do, do it. It was with a blog. Mm -hmm. However, with a blog, that is an enormous amount of work that you're committing to on a weekly or monthly basis in order to show authority. Correct. So yeah, I agree. It's a great way to show authority, but it's not the only way. And you always have to balance how much effort am I going to put into this versus the additional benefit that I'm going to get out of it. Correct. Right? And is there a faster, more efficient, better way yeah. to get clients, which is probably what people are wanting, I'm assuming, what coaches want out of this. Yeah. yeah. And so one great way that you can build authority, you've done it, which is find a website that customers can give you gold stars for. And the number of gold stars that you got tells people how well you did serving them. You have your Yelp reviews. And for you, zero blogs, those Yelp reviews builds authority. And how much time did you spend writing your blog in total? I don't even, I don't. More, more than you want to even count? I, I just do On the hundred, over years, right? Like on the hundreds and hundreds of hours, you think a couple hours per blog. And if you're doing one every week for a bit, even once a month, amount a of time spent for very few clients, if any, yeah. over a couple And years. how much time did you spend on your Yelp reviews? In total. A whole lot less than that. <laughs> right? Maybe a couple of hours total. Yeah. And you've gotten a lot of clients out of it. Right? Yeah. And so it's not to say that blogs are bad. It's not to say that Yelp is great, that everyone should have Yelp and go after reviews. It's just important that if that's the reason why you're doing the blog, to be able to showcase expertise, well, are there other ways that you can showcase expertise that are a one-time investment of your time as opposed to a monthly investment of your time? Right. And if you get basically the same benefit out of it, in your case, you got ridiculously more benefit out of the one-time investment of your time. But if you get about the same benefit, you're going to be better off focusing your energies, not on a blog, but on something else. Right? And it's not to do a blog or not to do a blog, it's to do a blog or what else could I do with my time? And that's the important thing you have to answer if, if you realize, yeah, blog's probably not the right path for me right now at this point in time, because it may be the right path for you at a future point in time. In fact, it probably will be at some point in time in the future. <laughs> but if it's not right for you at this point in time, it's not, okay, well, I give up on that. I guess I'm just not going to do a blog. It's what am I going to replace that time with that's going to provide me with the same types of benefits? Seth, um, by the way, you just said, can vouch. He said, when I had an IT blog, all my traffic was for posts solving hyper-specific problems, which is what you said, like either be specific or unique. Don't just do the same generic stuff. And all the traffic was for two to three posts. Yeah. So out of all the content, you know, just a couple. Which if you think about that, uh, Seth, right? Yeah. Seth, what if you, instead of doing a monthly blog, spent four months worth of blog writing time sitting down and research what, the, what, what those two or three hyper-specific things would be. Yeah. 
write three good articles for it and just have them as landing pages on as individual pages on your website. Right. Hmm. You get effectively the same amount of benefit out of it. You're not committing to a blog. It's not even that you're writing articles. You just have a page on your website about this topic. And, and I get that it could be hard to know which, even if it's a hyper niche topic, right? Like which one will hit? Because he said, you know, most of the traffic was for two or three posts. You won't always know which posts are going to land and which aren't. But the, I think the more time that you take being yeah. doing the research and really writing a well-written and crafted post really bumps up that likelihood. Yeah. Part of it is, goes back to niche, mm -hmm. right? which is the more specific you can be, the more advantageous that you're going to have. So if you, for example, an auto body paint shop and you are going to try to write, here's what to look for in paint, which probably every auto body paint shop has that article. There are probably also car and driver that have it as well that are going to get linked up to first. You're probably not going to be able to hit that. But if you're an auto body paint shop that specializes in 1957, uh, 1950s Chevys located in the Santa Monica, then thinking about, okay, who is my audience? Who, uh, what is their goals? What is their specific needs? And realizing, oh, well, they've got the issue of the salt air from the ocean causing additional rust and degradation of the vehicle and writing an article about the best types of paint for dealing with salt air corrosion in 1950s Chevys. Yeah, you've got a very small group of people, but they're all your people. <laughs> and the number of body shops that probably have that article. Probably not many. <laughs> not many. And, and uh, you know, a major national one is never going to have that article because that's not the audience that they're going after. And so part of this is thinking about, well, who is my niche? What is my really, really specific group of people? And what are their exact needs financially? Not the generic needs of they need to budget and they need debt payment, but what specifically is unique about them and their needs financially. And then instead of writing a blog, have a on your who I serve page <laughs> or in your how I work with clients page, there can be an entire section about that specific need. It's not an article. It's part of your website, but it serves the same purpose. It builds that expertise. It shows that you are for them specifically. It's something that will actually get picked up by search engines and people will read it who are in your niche because all the other stuff is generic. And you're more likely to get benefit out of spending more time figuring out what to write than writing consistently on a monthly basis. Gotcha. So we've talked in a couple ways about, okay, so if you want to use a blog to build authority, there can be better or faster ways to do it as you're starting out. If you are using it as kind of an inbound marketing tool, the more specific and focused on your niche, generally the better, or even doing, like you said, landing pages yeah. or sections of your website. Into a page of your website. Yeah. Yeah. How about for people who have some clients and want, you know, are thinking of either a blog or a newsletter for 
just like staying in touch with clients or prospects. Is that a helpful way to think of doing a newsletter? So prospects is what I do my newsletter for, my blogging newsletter for. And it has nothing to do with trying to convert them into customers. It has everything to do with laziness, which is I have a limited number of times that I will reach out to someone if they're a prospect. That limited number of times is probably a lot less than most people. And so literally, I just have a blog that is there that is there to just put them into it so that I don't have to reach out to them as often. <laughs> right? Gotcha. So a way to stay top of mind for them. <laughs> yeah, it's a way to just remind them about it without me having to do any additional work. So that is my main reason for doing a blog. But it's not something that I did at the very beginning. It's something that I did because I didn't want to have worry about other things. Another, some people will do a blog as a value add for customers or a, a newsletter as a value add for, for clients. We do that in financial coaches network, right? So the standard uh, newsletter, email newsletter that goes out is, has a short one paragraph news you can use. And the one in the F, for that FCN members get has a much longer, more detailed with here are steps to take, here's a checklist, there are different things that you can do to actually work on it with clients. And so there's something where you can use a newsletter with clients to give value. But then the question becomes, what are you going to be creating that actually does give value? Because it can't be what you typically see in blogs out there is not going to work for a client value creation thing. That has to be more about what's going on in their lives. So an example of that might be you have a blog that comes out quarterly and it's every three months you send out a newsletter to your clients that says, here's what you want to be thinking about over the next three months. Here are the important deadlines that are coming up financial wise. Here's what we're going to be talking about in our next upcoming meeting, right? And you, it's really about having something where you're transitioning what you would normally send personal emails out to add value and turning it into something where that personal email becomes part of a newsletter that goes out, right? But if it's not something that you would send a personal email out, if it would feel weird to say, hey, out of the blue, I wanna give you some budgeting tips. If that would feel weird, it probably shouldn't go into a client value add newsletter. Gotcha. And from that perspective, if you're going to send something out that is relevant to a, more than just one person, then back to the niche conversation, it's important to have a niche so that if you have clients who are individuals and couples between the ages of 20 and 65, it makes it a lot harder to write content that's relevant to an entire group of people. Yeah, exactly. Why else do people want to do blogs? So let's, let's keep going on this route. I like this route. This is the, the, why do people think that they want to do blogs? And then we can talk about why they work for them, but also there's easier ways that you might be able to accomplish it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've talked about getting clients. Oh, you know what? Let's go back to the easier ways. Cause I forgot to give an easier way for how to give value to clients, right? I feel like, like people would enjoy that. easier yeah. ways. So one of the things that I do is in my system, you don't have to have a system that does this. You can have a Word documents where you type it out and just copy and paste. But in my system, after I have a meeting with a client, the meetings are specifically identified in the system. 
And there are follow-up emails that are value add and delivery emails that go out and say, hey, we just talked about this. I know that that's what we just talked about. I can copy and paste it because I have a structured process that's the same for everyone, right? So we just talked about this. Here are the next steps. Here's what we're going to talk about next. Here's what I need you to do in preparation, right? So all those value add emails are all automated. And you can, even if you don't have a system that can automate the sending of them, you can very easily automate the writing of them by having it already written out. And at the end of the meeting, going into your email platform, opening up three emails, copying and pasting those three emails from that Word document, and then just scheduling the send for, let's, I'm going to schedule this for two days later, this one for four days later, and this one for eight days later. Hit send on all of them, you're done. But it doesn't take you an enormous amount of time to create that. You still have the benefits of a newsletter, which is I write one thing and it goes out to everyone. I write it one time inside the, the email, inside the Word document, and it goes out to everyone. I'm just copying and pasting it. So you have this, those same benefits, but it doesn't, again, require you to continually have to come up with new content every single month or every single quarter because you have this newsletter. It's more, I have this meeting, here's what I want the value add emails to be afterwards. So I'm just going to write them once and I'm done. That's smart. And you can also in those emails, right? If there are things that were particular to that client, you can, yeah, as you copy and paste, you can tweak it before it goes out. If there's something that was particular to them yeah. or, and maybe that's different. That's like the single follow-up email is one thing that you change. And then the other mm -hmm. two value add emails you have no need to tweak just that's for people who are like, wait, what happens if we talked about something different in the meeting or off of the usual beaten path? That's one option. Another option is to have a little highlighted yellow part of the template at the end of a paragraph where that just reminds you if there's anything that specific we talked about, I'm just going to write a sentence where that highlighted yellow is. If not, I'll delete the yellow and then send it. And for me, I don't do any of that tweaking. It's all automated. And then the way the tweaking happens is in, in my system, I go in and as we're talking, if they have tasks, I'll write down the tasks in the system and the system will then automatically send, Hey, here are the things that you need to do. Here are the ones you haven't completed yet by the due, due date. So they'll send reminders. Here are the ones that are past due, right? So it'll handle all of that for me. Yeah. Again, you don't need to have these systems to be able to take some of these things, but you can say, oh, if there's like three sets of tasks that I can do, I can write those into my Word document. And that's helpful. We were talking about this on the office hours with launch members just a couple hours ago around note taking. And you had said, you know, focus the note taking on being future focused. Right. So what's coming up with the next meeting so that your notes don't have to be a full on recap of everything that you talked about in that meeting, because that can also take a lot of time. Mm -hmm. to do that, but just say, okay, if it is all future focused, then yeah, you could just put the tasks or the to do's in the tasks. They get them, you know, it's very future focused. What are we going to, what do I need for us to have the next meeting successfully? So I like that. That's yeah. a good system. Any last minute reasons that people want to do a blog? That's what we should have done at the very beginning is why do you want to do a blog? And then we could just address them. I'm not seeing anything. We talked about obviously getting clients being the overarching thing. What you just talked about was 
not specific to blogs, but that idea, right, of automating and taking a one-to-many style communication and applying that to clients versus, you know, potential clients. I think we hit most of it, yeah. honestly. And if there's something that we missed, I'd love for people to shout it out in the comments or ask the question so that we can come back and, and clarify later. Yeah, and what I would say is, you know, I'm not against having a blog. I don't think that blogs are bad, right? Interestingly, you don't have a blog, to my knowledge. Uh, just trying it, testing something out because I do these okay. now um, videos. I do like five to six minute videos on Instagram and just then throw them into a transcribing system and then send them to an editor who takes like half an hour just to put them into a blog post. And I don't mm -hmm. have to do any extra work. So yeah. it's not in the same way it used to. It's like <laughs> yeah. I have content showing up now, but it's it looks very different. And that's one of the reasons why it, blogs are not a, really a good idea in the beginning, because you generally can't afford to have an editor that you pay money to and everything else. And it's really, really important that you preserve your time it's, and you want to focus your time on the things that are going to have the most immediate positive impact in your business. And that's one of the reasons why blogs are kind of later and why you see larger companies doing more and more media, things like blogs and a podcast and these other things, because they're spending $3 million on a content creation machine every year to put it out. But we always want to consider if we don't have that budget, what should we cut? And things that are very labor intensive, but don't have immediate results. Those are the first things that you should look at cutting. And uh, Katie was like, oh, I love that idea. Insta, transcribe, post, like multiple, multiplizing the content or multiply the content. And it's why you'll see a podcast from FCN. Very soon. Very <laughs> soon. <laughs> you know, and it's actually funny. Oh, we just announced it. Oops. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That's okay. um, you know, because it's that same idea of what are we already creating and how can we just take what we are already creating? And now that we have the resources, or we've had the resources, just not the time. Um, yeah. We can then just hire someone to take the video, download the video, or rip the audio, do the transcription. So even some of that for the show notes, like create the show notes for us. And yeah, making the content work for us rather than trying to say, oh, we need different topic ideas for the podcast, right? We need to recreate the wheel um, for these in order to get our message out in more ways. And I think something that you said that, I think it's important to circle back to, you said, now that we have the resources, one of the reasons why it did take us so long to do this, to, to decide that we're going to do a podcast is because Gary and I, a big part of our discussion was how much time is this podcast going to take? <laughs> and until we got to the point where from the perspective of talking to the people that we're going to, that are going to handle 99% of the work for us, until we got to the point where we could look at it and say, okay, there is a one-time investment of a few hours on the part of Garrett and I. And then after that, we should have it at a point where we have zero additional hours that we have to do, right? We, we're not adding any additional hours. Until that was the case, the idea of, of doing a podcast just wasn't going to happen. Because and it gave us things that were more important to spend our time on. A hundred percent. And we got feedback from this community where they said, uh, when we asked how many people are watching the videos, 
or checking this out, people are like, wait, what videos? And realizing that in this style with the Facebook group, not everyone can watch it live. Not everyone wants to sit around and watch a video and realizing that, okay, it's easy to get lost in the feed. Well, then it makes sense to take these videos and just turn them into a podcast that someone can subscribe to automatically get notified when the new podcast is live. And so we also realize there's a need that if we want this content to get out to people, it's not doing it in the way that we want it to yet. And so yeah. this is right. All we have to do is record an intro, an outro, have the first three episodes over, and then the people who we hired are taking care of the rest. So that's why we looked at it and was like, okay, two to three hours of investment with everything else that'll get out of it. It now makes sense. So that's why. But didn't before. <laughs> yeah, but did not before. Yeah, take care, everyone. And we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when a new episodes are released and it helps iTunes and Stitcher and everyone else know that you like the podcast so it recommends it to other people. And if you can think of one person, either a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with and be helped by what we talked about today, share it with them as well. And if you're ready to build a successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with those clients, and run your business efficiently. Head to financialcoachesnetwork.com backslash start here. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. Thank you.